Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Back Porch Conjure. I am Ephi Abayo. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Welcome to the Back Porch Conjure. To everyone, grab a seat, cop a squat, get a chair, a pillow, a blanket. Hell, sit right here on the stoop next to me. Get you something cold to drink, something hot, some water, some tea, some coffee, some juice. Shit, it's three o'clock somewhere. Get your drink on. Baby, I'm going to always say this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the support. Thank you for the love. Thank you for the questions. Thank you for the testimonies. Thank you. And if I don't answer individually, just know I've seen it and I am forever grateful. Thank you. Because people told me that no one would listen. No one would be a part of it. No one, I would be dissing myself and I'm going to fail. And I'm grateful that I did not listen to them. Real talk. I'm so grateful. But thank you. You know, on this spiritual journey, we go through a lot. And people always hype up you know, how great their spiritual life is and how, you know, grandmama and them blessed them and all of that. But nobody talks about the hard part. The part where some days you want to give the fuck up. The part you want to walk away. The part where you're saying, yo, I'm unsure if this is really what I'm supposed to be doing. No one talks about that, right? Because everybody thinks it's butterflies and roses and transformation and money management and you know, great things here and there. Everybody talks about that. No one talks about the um, the part where you say, hey, this shit is hard. Hey, I need help. I'm drowning. Hey, I'm confused. No one talks about that. It's okay to share those parts of you where you're vulnerable, where you're hurting, where you're confused, where you're unknowing, even healers. I don't understand where y'all get to this, this fucking belief that healers and readers and spiritual people don't go through shit. We go through shit even more harder. For real. So I don't, I don't get that part. I don't where it is taboo to say that you're messing up or that, you know, you don't feel like you're doing what needs to be done. You need some reassurance we don't we don't talk about that because somebody came with the belief oh well if you talk about that you're weak well and call me fucking weak because see growing up and we talking 20 something years ago growing up you know when I first started doing cards I would read everybody I would be gun hold just like some of y'all new readers man I would read everybody I was out to save the world Put my cape on in the morning and go and read. Shoot. I read in trap houses and parks and lunch rooms, wherever, whoever, I was reading them. And then, you know, I started going to church and people would tell me that I'm doing the devil's work. And I used to, first I used to stand up for myself and be like, no, no, no. And anything bad that would happen... People would equate that because you you messing with those cards. you bringing in the devil. I mean, I would hear it from all walks. If me and my husband was on the outs and 
I made him go live with, or I kicked his ass out, and he went to go live with his mama for a few days. People would come to me and be like, girl, because you doing those cards. My mother passed. Girl, you doing those cards. If, you know, my money was funny. Girl, you doing those cards. So after a while, I started believing him. And I had this dream where I was sitting out in front of my building. And, you know, I was reading someone. And this lion head that was on top of my building came and, like, put his face in front of me. And was like, where's your faith in God? So I got scared. I woke up. I'm being honest. I got fucking scared. I went and got some holy oil. The olive oil, man, I had a blessing in the church. I went and started praying all over my house, playing gospel music. I wrapped those goddamn tarot cards up and threw them right down the incinerator. I threw them away. I did. I was done. You couldn't tell me nothing about nobody's um, reading or anything spiritual. You couldn't tell me none of that. Shit. I was done. I was done. And I just got more heavy into church. Where Fridays, I would have the church girls over, Sherelle and all of them. And i cook and we'd talk about, you know, i walk with Christ. And I would play gospel music. And, you know, I would be at the church. We would get up every morning, go to Home Depot, get some plants, fix our apartment up. Now, my apartment wasn't laced, but it was all right. It was comfortable. I had my washing machine to dry, my stack pack in the front. I had my carpet and my couches and my beautiful paint. You know, if you knew about Martin's paint on Jamaica Avenue, I went up there and got all those pretty um, pictures because I was a caseworker. So I, I, you know, I could afford it. Right. So I had my my pictures up on the wall. I had my plants all over. I had a beautiful running Jew in my kitchen. My kitchen was mint, peach, and uh, mint, peach, and a, a hint of white. Oh, my God. And a little yellow. That was my kitchen color, my bathroom. Oh, my goodness. Like, everything. My kids' room. I painted it. I put hands all over the wall because I said, these are all the hands of everybody reaching in the village, making sure y'all good at night. Like, I really did, right? But I was, like, church-oriented. And then I started also working at the airport. So I would wear skirts and, you know, go back and preach, you know, talking church. Not preaching, but talking. And I would be on the choir. And, you know, I was on the usher board. So every time I would just get away from spirituality. So the day that I threw my cards away, a week later, you know, the projects, their mailbox is not wide, but it's long. So I knew I didn't order nothing. I received a box. Now, mind you, on this little box, it said, had my name and everything, and it said, just for you. I came in, right? And I'm racking my brains like, I know I didn't order nothing, uh, you know, and I got on my kids. I was like, y'all use my card or something to order something? No. So I just left it on my kitchen table, right? Just left it there. My ex-husband, God bless the day, he was like, yo, you going to open this? I was like, nah, leave it, you know. I said, knowing it's some pouch in there, because that's what I thought. A pouch in there with a whole bunch of other pamphlets about either Christian or me buying some books, right? Or maybe Daquan or one of them ordered a CD and they fucking lying. So before I get myself stretched out because the kids was in school and I had to go to work and I didn't want to get stressed out being charged for something crazy. So I left it on there for a book, a good two weeks, for real. Like... I, and I'm grateful because both our, me and my husband, we worked. Now, we wasn't filthy rich or anything, but we were okay. We were okay, right? So, 
I didn't pay attention to it. I was really like into church and me and Sherelle, we would get up in the morning and we have our daily devotion. Like I was really in it. We have our daily devotion and we, uh, you know, sit outside, drink our coffee, walk the kids to the corner, see who we see, have a little bit of gossip session. Then we'd walk down the block. You know, if we didn't have to go to Home Depot and get some flowers or something, We'll walk down the block to the church, see where we can help out with that and, you know, help the church mama and all of them. Then we'll come back over there, sit outside, you know, if we have to walk up on the avenue or something like that. And then we'll come home, get ready for our kids, you know, make a little snack for them. You know, if we have to go and wash some clothes in the house or whatever. And you are here, either both our apartments, because we both lived on the first floor. We was right across the hall from each other. You will hear like gospel music from one of our houses, right? No matter what I did, I still didn't fit in. So when we would be out and about, I would see people with locks. And I was so amazed with it, right? I was. I was so amazed with it because I used to have them. And I was like, wow, like I missed it. Like it was calling for me. And don't let me see someone spiritual or people that I used to hang with. And they'd be like, yo, what's up? Back then, they used to call me Imani in the spiritual world, right? They would call me Imani Dada Alatenge. And it meant, faith sister, God will heal us. Or God will help us, right? It was Yoruba. Imani Dada Alatenge. Faith sister, God will heal us. Or help us. However you want to translate it. And I would see them... And they'd be like, yo, you know, what's up? Greetings, sister, queen. Like, how you know? I'd be like, hey, praise the Lord, right? But part of me missed it. Like, missed all of that. The healthy eating, the, the love, you know what I'm saying? The, just everything, everything, chakras, all that, crystals, all that. Because back then, we were heavy into it. And I just, I, but I, I couldn't because what was required of me, right? Where... People were like, oh, you know, this is why you're bringing the devil in. But then I noticed. I still had problems when I was in the church. Me and my husband still argue. And I remember one time they was like, yeah, because, you know, I always told the truth and shame the devil. So they was like, yeah, you and your husband. I said, no, we're not married yet. We live together. Like, you know, that's why when they used to ask me to do and say certain things, and I used to be like, no. And they used to be like, why? I said, because I live with a man. Me and me and a man live together. We're not married. So we're going to keep it 100, keep it 100. And they used to be like, ah, oh, Sister Donna. No, no. But I was on the Usher Boy. I would get up on sing on the choir. I would help out on Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays. Like my kids went to church every day, seven days a week. Every day they was in church, Right. And I remember on Halloween, that's Dee Dee's birthday and my pop's birthday. That's the day my mother and father got together. And we, you know, we had a family tradition. You know, we would make food and set a plate out for the dead uh, because we already knew the veil for the dead was thinning and your dead walk with you. And I always did something for Dee Dee's birthday. So they had across the street one time the haunted house and passed in and we're like, no, that's the devil. And my kids really wanted to go. Like they looking at me like we've been doing this all our life. And now they say, cause you found some scary shit or whatever. Like we can't go. So I let they corner them go. I was like, nah, go ahead. I'm not going to stop y'all. You know what I'm saying? That's like, I know Santa Claus is not real, but I'm not going to mess with a child's imagination. Like, yo, believe in Santa, the, the fucking reindeer, the fairies, all of that. Believe in that. Don't, you know, Fuck up their world, because your world is, you done grew up. 
Don't do that. We Toys R Us kids in my house. Fuck that. Let's go see Jeffrey and then we're going to see Santa. And, I, you know, I was still wrestling with all of that. Because, you know, you have to be a diehard Christian. You got to sell out for the Lord. And I'm like, then I noticed where I would be on the avenue or places I'd go. And these same Christian women would disrespect homeless people and dog out. I remember when I was started locking my hair, right? Because I got tired of going to get perms and stuff. And I was like, yo, this is not the healthiest way for your hair. So I started locking my hair. And the mother of the church was like, I saw a whole car full of those nappy-head kids. Mm -mm. I was like, I know they dirty. I said, locks are the most cleanest part of a person's hair. What? That's a crown. Mm-mm, child. That's what you're doing to your hair? Cover it up, because people going to talk about you. It's the lady of the church. So, I remember going on the Ave, and I saw Sister Monifa and them, right? Because I always knew them, and... She was like, where you been? And I was like, man, I'm just trying to find myself. And she looked at me. She said the same thing that my mom and I used to say. There's a million ways to get to God. We all find our own path. The problem is we allow people to dictate or tell us what our path is. And we ignore the signs and the voices of our ancestors to show us what our path is. And that just hit me because I'm like, yo, I was. I was listening to everybody. I threw my talk cards away and all of that. And it was like like somebody has sent her to talk to me. And to this day, like I have a great love for Monifa. Um, then I started seeing people and stuff, and I'm like, now I'm reevaluating. And I knew what I was up against because when you don't follow the masses and you step outside of the crowd, you don't get a going away party. You don't get people to say they love you. You don't get none of that. Man, you get your business talked about. You get dogged out. Man, they talk. They really go after you. And Shell was my friend. We live right across. She would hear our arguments, you know, and all of that. So, and that's another thing. You think that you have a team when the very people in the boat, they'll put holes in it because you're either not doing what they want or they can't be the captain of your shit. So, and it was it was crazy because I had a friend that her mom, her mom passed away, though, but her mom dictated her life. Told her what to wear, what her kids wear, where she should go, what she should do, who she should be around. Only Christian women. She can't be around nobody other than that. Like, this lady really dictated her life. For real. She would come down there and be like, you know, what you buy, how much money you got, who's in your house. Like, all that. My mom's wasn't like that. My mom, go live your fucking life because I'm over here living mine. Her, her and my pops. And my mother had life. Her and my father. So she wasn't worried about my life. You know what I'm saying? As long as my kids ain't in harm's way, she's good. So I'm like looking around at these people. And I remember when I just went all out. Locked my hair. I started rapping. I was wearing oils that I made, you know. And I wrote a book. 
I wrote a book, right, called Healing from Within. It was the first book I ever wrote. And when I tell you I put my heart and soul in, right, for real, I remember giving a copy to my dad. Even the day he died and I was going through his stuff, you know, and I saw a copy of my book and I said, man, after all these years, he still had it. Like, for real. And we talking 20-something years ago. Um, my pops was my biggest supporter. I will say that. And I remember writing a book, and I was selling it on the avenue inside of the train station. Or if I'm at a school doing an event, because I would sell herbs and oils and uh, sticks, chew sticks and stuff. And I would make my own incense and things like that, and scented candles, right? This was way back in the day. And, you know, people would let me set up tables at different places, and I would do that. And I remember one day, I went into church, and they were like, I was wrapped up, right? You couldn't call me. Everybody was looking at me like, she is Mother Africa, <laughs> for real. And my locks was growing, and people were looking at me, in the church, and you could not tell them that I wasn't Satan. Like, they would really have full-fledged fucking uh, preaching about me. Oh, we have a sister down the block. Y'all be going down there getting your cards read and stuff, and y'all are going against the devil, because let me, because I don't want to skip a part. So after I was talking to Sister Monifa, I came home, and I opened up the box. Lo and behold, it was a deck of tarot cards. I cannot lie to you. When I opened up that box, that small little, it wasn't thin, but it wasn't thick neither. And it was a box and it had a deck of tarot cards. And it said, these are just for you. They were the ride awake day. I took that as a sign and I started crying. And I was like, I, I guess I'm supposed to read. And I would go down the block and sit on my mother's step and read cards. People would come down there at night and be like, girl, don't tell nobody. Or I, I didn't go to people's houses then, but they would go, they would come down the block or they'd sit in my mother's backyard and be like, girl, don't tell nobody. Okay. Cause I need my cards read, you know, Christians too. And I would tell them what the lion told me in the dream. Where's your faith in God? You know, and they'd be like, girl, I know, I know, but I got to find out. Ain't nobody helping me. So I started reading people. I went back to reading people. My friends that were supposed to be my friends called me Satan, Sherelle, and them. You could, the only one that stood by me was Mika. That was it. Shout out to Mika every day of my life. Mika was like, D, whatever it is you want to do, I stand by you. And she did. And when somebody said something about me, she would stand there and be like, but y'all Christians, why y'all worrying about it? Pray for her then. If she, if y'all feel she went left, then pray for her that she go right. That's it. That's all. She, so when I was in the church and they tried to preach on me, I walked out. Like, man, fuck y'all. And I left. Like, first of all, how y'all disrespect a homeless man on Sunday, well, Saturday, and then try to praise him on Sunday because Jesus ain't had no house. Where was he living at? He walked around with his 12 people. So y'all niggas are phony, right? So... Fuck them. I was at war with the church for a little bit. Like, fuck y'all. I wish y'all would come to me. So then they tried to get back at me and tell them my business over there in the church. Oh, she living with a man that was 
you know, it wasn't married. But those women, those even those older women was like, well, baby, she already told us that. See, hence why I tell on my own self. I don't do co-defendants. Because a motherfucker, when they get mad or you don't do what they do, side note, oh, they'll tell all your fucking business. So if it's true, stand on it. If it's not, look at them and laugh because it makes no sense for you to fight a lot at all. They want attention. So they have to make up things about your life because their life is not amazing. So why sit there and argue with people? Man, fuck those people. And that's what I did. I was like, fuck those people. So Shell was like, you know, uh, Sherelle and them, they were like, oh, she's, um, and I did. I did. I cheated on my husband. Not even going to lie with this dude named David. Not going to lie. Right? I did. I cheated on my husband with this dude named David. One time. Right? One time. I was... I just felt like our marriage was fucked up and he was staying at his mother's house and, you know, I was, I, I was in a, in a fucked up place, but that doesn't give me an excuse or anything. It doesn't give me a pass, but I did. I cheated on my husband. Right. And Sherelle knew, Sherelle knew, baby, when I tell you, she told everybody, everybody, oh yeah, you know, she fucked David in her house when the kids wasn't there and Craig was gone and yep. Baby, she told everybody. <laughs> so, when it got to my husband, he came, he walked in the door. He was like, you good? I was like, yeah. He's like, everything good? He's like, yo, I smelled the smell. That's how I knew he was home because I would smell uh, sweet, uh, sweet, sweet smell of success. Because I met the sister that created that at the Women's Million Women March. And I brought it, man. Amazing smell. So I was lighted, the incense. And you can smell it, you know, but it was a pretty smell. And Craig was like, I knew you was home because I smelled it coming around the corner. Like, yo, she home and she cooking, right? Then I was vegetarian. Uh, I made sure I took care of my family. They was vegans. And Craig was like, yo, I knew you was in there cooking. I would make, like, vegan muffins and things like that. And he was like, man, I was hungry too. I knew it. So while he was sitting, he was like, so you got something to share with me? And I was like, what? Don't come with no gossip, right? Because I was trying to cleanse my soul and my spirit and, you know, get my alignments back in and my chakras. And that nigga said, so when did you fuck David? I was in the kitchen, right? My back was turned. If he would have saw my face, I think Craig would have killed me in the kitchen. Real talk. I'm not even going to lie. My whole chest in me caved in, but I stood and I kept my composure and I turned around and I was like, looked at him and I was, went to the stove. I walked, I turned around, looked at him. Then I turned back around. I opened the stove. I took the muffins out. Right. And I said, you want something to drink? You want some milk or something? And he was like, we talking? I said, yeah. And I took the muffins out and I poured him a glass of milk and I sat there and I said, you knew, so why you had to ask? I couldn't deny it. I, every part of me and me wanted to deny it. Real talk. Not even gonna lie. But I couldn't. Just the life of me, I couldn't. I was hurt because why would you do that? Like, out of all the things in the world you could have shared with somebody, why you could, why did you do that? Right? And then... Craig was, he was mad. He was mad. He was like, yo, I'm ready to fuck him up and you too. He packed his clothes. Not gonna lie. 
He packed his clothes. This wasn't cool. He packed his clothes and he left. He left. He really left. That nigga left. Like, yo. It's different when you kick a man out or you tell him to go and live with somebody. But that nigga left. That nigga said, yo, be happy. I said, okay. I did a few times. Went over to his mom's house where he was there. And he was like, go home. He was like, go home. You, you know, you found what you wanted. I said, okay. You know, I was, I was, I was, I was fucked up, but I had to take that L. I did. I had to take that fucking L. And I took it. Wasn't good, but I took it. And I remember she was, she was so happy. Like, and I, I for a moment, I thought, right, because we live right next to each other. Like, you get, you get so happy from destroying a house, but I mean, I was happy. And then after a while, I got happy that she did tell. Like, David lived on a, across from us, right? Not in the same building, but across on the other side in the other building. His mom, his grandmother, Miss Johnson and them, and Mr. Johnson, they were really cool. So everybody knew, right? So Dave started messing with another girl. And, you know, he would see me and I'd be like, yeah, what's up? You know, I wasn't hating him or nothing. And everybody knew. Like, everybody. Everybody knew. She made sure she told everybody and their mother. Everybody. But I was that person that, okay, you know about me. I fuck, I'm i not the only one fucking around here, but I didn't say that. But in my head, and I, I owned it. If I seen Dave, how? I wasn't going to ignore him. If me and him were sitting outside, he would come and sit and talk to me. We would talk about life or whatever. And people would walk by and I'd be like, hey, how you doing? What the fuck? Okay, I screwed him. And I, I'm a grown-ass woman, right? In my head. But... I didn't stop. I kept on. She, each time, like, she would call, like, God bless that Michelle and them. Oh, they outside talking. And Michelle and them would come outside. They'd sit with us. We were all outside talking, right? Because they'd walk up. Like, people were bold. They'd walk up and be like, oh, what y'all talking about? Y'all lovebirds. No, nope, we're not lovebirds, but you're welcome to sit in on a conversation. He was asking me about the different chakras or the colors of this. And then everybody started coming around, and we would talk. So whatever she meant for bad, it turned to a blessing for me. And then at the end of that girl, I want to read it. Okay, come on. Right? And then I wasn't charging, but people would buy things for my kids. Or they'd be like, girl, yeah, I'm buying you some dinner or some lunch or whatever. So I never wanted without nothing. So each time. Now, mind you, I wasn't speaking to Sherelle because y'all all made your choices. But it was okay. I was known as the fake this and, oh, I'm a sinner, my kids and everything. But one day, me and... I was on the Ave and, you know, I was coming back and somebody, Lisa, God bless the dead, Craig's sister-in-law, I grew up with her. She had called me and said, Craig was at his uncle's house. He was staying there and he had his girl there. And I'm like, wow. So I, one day I just went over there. And I'm calling him from the window, like calling him. I'm standing there like, Craig, Craig, throwing rocks at the windows and everything. And when this nigga woke up, all you saw was a puff of smoke and then the fire people came. Because the cousin, when he left, left the pot of the stove on and all this gas was through the house. And that day, Craig was like, yo, you saved my fucking life because I could have been dead up there. And I was like, what? And we started talking and, you know, I went home. 
and he was walking the dogs and he had came because his dogs was at his mom's house and he came through the projects. He would always walk through the projects. And he came through the projects and we were sitting there and I was like, you want something to eat? And he said, what you cooked? And I said, lasagna. He was like, for real? You trying to get me to move back in? We would just crack jokes and stuff. And what was amazing was, because we talked, we talked. And the one thing about me and Craig, we were friends before we even got together. We were friends. Like, that was my homeboy. And we were sitting down. And Dave walked up, the dude I slept with. And he was like, yo, what's up, Craig? I was like, yo, what's up? And we was all talking. We was just talking about life and stuff. And Dave was asking him about the dog and everything. And I never forget when Craig came in the house. Because I said, yo, I'm ready to go in. You want, because um, the kids are asleep. You want some lasagna. He was like, yeah. So he brought the dogs in. It was day home at first anyway. And I made him a, you know, I made him a plate. And, you know, he was like, yo, he said, how funny is that? I'm sitting there talking to the nigga that slept with my girl. And I'm sitting there laughing like, yo, you stupid. And he asked me that famous question. Why? Why? And I said, I felt alone. I felt like the world was without me and you weren't even there. Like you were supposed to be my ride or die and you weren't there. I'm not making excuses for it, but I was alone. Even though we slept together, you was here, but you weren't there for me when I needed you. When I was going through this confusion stage, no matter where I was with the church or wherever, like you, you weren't there to support me. And I was, I was really screaming for help. And you, you didn't, you didn't even acknowledge me. You, you were so busy wrapped up in your world that it was either my world or your world. It wasn't our world. And he, he made a confession. You know, he was like, he felt the same way and he was talking to this girl and he got head. He didn't sleep with her, but he got head. And I was like, okay, you know, it happens. It happens, right? I'm not saying the cheating part, but it happens when you start separating yourself or you feel like there's a distance because when you're healing and you're transitioning and you're changing your life, that person you're with knows the old version of you. Now they got to re-know you too. And you're going to go through some dark days. You're going to go through some, some difficult times. You're going to have bumps in the road. But the number one thing we didn't do was communicate. We didn't talk. We just took for granted that, yo, they okay. I don't even have to tell her I love her. Like, but, I, you know, I never told Craig that. Because he used to always say, she say I love you to everybody. But when I tell him I appreciate him, that was our love language to say, yo, she loves me. And I remember when people be like, but she don't say that to you. He was like, no, but she appreciate me. So I know that I am needed in her life, right? That was his definition of how that went. But what made Sherelle and all of them mad, like three or four days later, Craig had spun the night. The kids was down the block and Craig had spun the night. And we had got up and she, you know, usually she'll see me in the mornings and we had got up and we we're sitting outside and he, you know, he, he laughed, you know, he was like, watch this. And when Sherelle walked by, he was like, Hey girl, he's like, how you doing neighbor? And she was like, Hey, good morning, Craig. He was like, yeah, you good. And you know, he looked and we were still talking. So she called everybody and everybody was walking by, you know, motherfuckers that don't normally walk by that morning. They was walking by looking. And Kenny, Kenny, you know, God bless Kenny. 
um, Kenny came over. He said, thought y'all broke up. He said, where am going? <laughs> and Kenny was like, that's what I said. That's what I said. I'll be rooting for y'all. Like, that's what I said. And he was like, where am going? He said, it's not normal for couples to argue. He was like, all right, it is what it is. Dave walked by, Craig gave him dap, said, what's up? So she was livid. And then one day, I was walking past the church, right? Because it's right there on 106 and uh, 160. And I heard the words from my book. I did. I heard the words from my book. Now the door was open. I heard a woman named Seal, Seal Hines, was reading from my book. I turned, walked in the church, and sat in the back. Because you're doing a whole sermon about the shit I wrote. So I, now you got my attention. And she was talking about healing from within and how we judge people unfairly. And, you know, when people are on this healing journey, they need all the support. And she said, yeah, I read a book that I got. She said, I got it out of, you know, her ex-husband's um, room off his desk. She said, and when I started reading it, I was like, damn, this is good. And I'm like, she cursing in church? She's saying, damn, okay. Mm-hmm. So, she said, and I was like, hey, I need a copy of this. So, Minister Hines gave her that one. He said, I can get another one. So, she asked who the author was. And he said, told her my name. And she said, for real? The one with the kids? She said, yeah. She said, okay, okay. So I'm sitting in the back and everybody's, you know, like, hey, we need that book. We need that book. She said, the sad part is the author had been sitting around y'all for the whole time. And y'all shunned her because she left the church. And they was like, no, uh-uh, the devil is alive. We praying. We praying for the sister to return. She said, she right there. Been sitting here this whole time. And I was sitting right there. And when they all turned around and looked, they saw that it was me. I looked at them, shook my head, and got up and walked out. When I saw Minister Hans and them, I said, thank you. She said, no, you're a good writer. I said, thank you. And that was it. And I only time I come through faith, if there's a funeral or, and I forgive them. Trust me, I do. They were a part of, of my spiritual journey, right? And I always appreciate for them. Um, if I'm in town and, you know, church is open, I'll go. But as far as I know, they really don't be having services like that. I don't even think faith is open no more. But whenever I would be, I, I would slide through and say, what's up, pastor, and all of that. But I had to learn early then that your choices is your choices. And everybody will not be happy. Especially those people that really are afraid to follow their own destiny. And because someone talked them out of their journey and their path, and they settled at the pity fucking table, they don't want you to get up. People get upset when you start following your passion and walking in your truth. Not everybody's happy about it. Because fear has stunted them. Fear has trapped them. Because they're so busy worrying about the applause from the crowd that they forget to live their own life. They, they want to be validated by people. 
And they have this fear of you can't tell people that you're crying out or that you're hurt or that you're scared or you're going through something because then people would think, oh, it's the devil. It's all the things you did. No. How about helping me? And if you can't, then how about, you know, giving me some encouragement, some words of wisdom, something. But don't chastise me. Don't drag me. Don't talk about me. I have friends that were on drugs. I have friends that were, man, doing bad. I had a friend, real talk, and I loved him to death. Man, when I tell you I loved him. And people were like, why you got him in your house, girl? He gonna steal, he gonna do this. If he do, that's on him. I set the room up, gave him a shower, made him a big plate of food and let him sleep in my house. I paid him to do my daughter's hair. He didn't do it. He couldn't get the chance. Because two days later, he died. So, what? All debts are paid when you're dead. So, what I was supposed to do? Um, but at that moment, we talked. And I was happy that he was doing okay. Because he was. He was so strung out. And he just needed a plate of food and a bath. And just some rest. And I gave him that. I did. And everybody that was around was like, girl, I wouldn't have him. I was sitting outside. She, he was sleeping in the house. And they was like, oh, girl, he is robbing you. And I was like, nope, no, he's not. Craig, my husband, knew. He was like, he, he looked tired. He was like, yo. And I, I paid him. You know, I had my three daughters. I went home to wash and set their hair. So he had like $80. And, you know, two days later, he was dead. And I was like, damn. I don't believe in turning my back on people. Even when me and my ex-husband, we got divorced and stuff, and he moved on. And he went through a bad a bad moment. And he called me. He was like, you know, he was in the hospital. And I wasn't in New York. If I was in New York, I'd have been there. I wasn't in New York. And he was like, um... You know, I'm doing bad. And I was like, look, when you come to New York, if you need, you know, a plate or whatever, you know, you leave New York, you need a plate or whatever, I got you. And he was like, I know, I know. You know, and he was. He was in a bad place. And not once did I say, well, you know, you laugh or anything like that. I, I'm always, we can't call ourselves healers if we can't help heal those people. And I understand, you know, most people, fuck that, they hurt me, I'm a whole of grudge. I'm like that, you know, to an extent. But if these people at one time made sure your life was great and they sacrificed and put you in a place and now they're in a bad place, if you can help, help. If you can't, be honest. You know, I've had people, man, that were in some dark places. And just a conversation, a hot bath, a plate of food, man, worked wonders for them. Most of all, just listening without a judging ear. You know? And I wouldn't have never experienced none of that if I would have continue to follow what people thought or assume that my life had to go with their agenda. 
I wouldn't have never been where I am today if I would have listened to those people. And every one of those people that told me I couldn't, that I'm a demon and, you know, I'm opening my house for the devil and nothing good would come out of it. They are the most miserable people, even when I see them during the day now in this day and time. Some of them are smoked out, cracked out. Some of them are dope fiends. You know, some of them are just confused about their lives because they are loud. I told you, the girl with her mom, like, her mother dictated everything. So, the first dude that she met, he was he was horrible. But she was, she fell in love with him and he wound up <clears throat> robbing her and stuff and you know, abusing her kids. Excuse me. And she started getting high because she went into this deep depression. And then her, her kids was at battle, like battle mode. Her own kids would argue her son, man, was called all kinds of bitches and stuff. So it was it was crazy. Um, The ones that would sit like she would call and they would come down there and stuff. And they would, you know, they would leave like Bible tracks in front of my door. <laughs> All kinds of things. And, you know, when I left the church, they didn't see me as a friend anymore. And then when I said I was moving. I said, yeah, I'm moving to Atlanta. Oh, you're going to fail. Oh, my God, you're going to fail. You're stupid. You know, this is not of God. You should stay in the projects. I didn't really like living in the projects. So they were, oh, my God. They were uh, telling people that I was going to lose my kids while I was down there. My husband was going to leave. Well, they had that right. My husband did leave. After three years, he did. He sure did. That wasn't a lie. But I stayed down there for 20 years. I lived in Atlanta for 20 years. Most people leave town and stay for about six months to a year and come right back. I was going for 20 years. 20 years. My husband left after the first three. I still stayed there. Raised my children. So, 20 years. Can't take that away. And I enjoyed it. And when my father got sick, I came back up here and did what I was supposed to do. And then I wound up following another spiritual path. And I started, got initiated and I stayed up here. And then I knew that New York has run its course with me. Now I live upstate. And I know that's getting ready to run its course with me. And I find someone else to live. And that, that move will be the permanent one. I ain't planning on moving no more. So I ain't getting younger. <laughs> But I say all of that because even though these people where I lived, they were all against me. Maybe a handful was rooting for me. Mika was the only one that stand against the crowd because everybody else that was rooting for me, they was rooting for me from afar. They wouldn't go and talk to them. If they talked about me, they'd just sit there and be quiet. Not Mika. Mika would be like, well, then what y'all pray for? She ain't, she ain't bothering y'all. She's happy. Like, 
she was living y'all life. Now she's living her life. So what is the big, what's the big thing? But then most people got mad because Mika was gay. So who wants to listen to a gay girl? Like for real, seriously. Oh, God is working on you because God didn't make gay. Like that's what they used to say. But Mika didn't give a fuck. Mika did not care. Mika would pop her shit. Like she didn't care. And when I would come in and they'll all be sitting there, start humming Christian songs and I laugh. But see, none of them do because they knew. Real talk. None of them directed anything to me. And I wouldn't I wouldn't have fought um Cheryl because at the end of the day I did grow up with her and I felt more sorry for her than anything. For real. If I love you, love you, and I see you as a sister, I'm not gonna fight you. I would just move on with my life. I'm not going to sit here and fight you and make a... For what? You can call me all kinds of names. I'm going to walk away. For what? For what? Whatever we had, because... First of all, you're mad at me because I choose another life. I stopped going to church because I wasn't happy. I, I didn't fit in. Didn't mean I didn't believe in God. I just didn't fit in with them. Oh, you, you should go to another church. For what? I don't want to go to church at all. It doesn't fit me. I don't have a problem with going there on, on New Year's and, you know, every so often. But I'm not going in. It doesn't fit me. I don't fit in. This is not what I want. So because I made a decision of my life, you become my enemy? Ma, I'm not going to fight you because the issue really is not with me. I'm the person that you want to take this out on. But the real person you want to take it out on, you're never going to do that. So... I'm not mad. I'm not going to fight you. I'm not going to argue with you. And she would. She would say smart shit. She would be like, and I, you know, I would laugh. I'd be in the house just laughing. Oh, the devil is here. Mm-mm, y'all, them cards and all of that. Miss Cleo. And I would shake my head and laugh and keep on going. I'd speak to everybody else. Hey, no one damn way they over there talking about me like a dog. But I still speak. Hey, what's up, y'all? And I'd go in the house. She would be, so then her daughter had a birthday party. She had Barney and everything out there. My kids, you know, that's another thing. Like, don't add kids to your fucking mess. She's like, oh, I gave out specific invitations. She didn't give one to my kids. So we had the front row seats. My kid was in the window like, look at Barney, mine. I was like, nope, can't go, no. Because she didn't invite them. And I was okay with it. They was watching from a distance. I Later on, we got dressed. I went out after the party was over. We went out. I went and got them a whole bunch of junk food and stuff, and they sat there. But never, even if she said no, um, never, if my kids had something, did I would deny her children from being there or going there. But because I was the devil and I was doing tarot cards and I was spiritual, that, you know, her kids couldn't play with my kids. Kids are innocent. They don't. They don't understand what adults do. But it was okay. It, it was. To me, it was. And I just told my kids, I said, it's okay, you know. And they was like, why can't we go and play over there with Janelle? And why can't we go? And I was like, it's okay. Come on, I'm going to take y'all down the block. And once they got down there with Deshaun and all of them and they pulled their box out, they forgot everything about what was going down on the project. They didn't give a fuck. They were playing. They was in the park. They was all over. So, you know, I, I just didn't want them to go through it. See, I'm an adult. I can go through it. I didn't want my kids to go through it. So I would take them down the block and stuff, and they'd be down there playing with their friends and stuff, and then at night we'd come home. And I would get up every weekend and take them out somewhere. And if we didn't have no money, we'd sit in the house and eat junk food and make sandwiches and watch TV. That was it. So they didn't, they didn't lose anything. 
you know. And then when we decided to move, shit, they was happy. They was happy to be gone. We on an adventure. Shit. So I'm telling y'all this and I'm sharing this because people don't share those dark days. They don't share how they go against people go against them from the choices they make. They don't understand that spiritualists and readers and all these different gurus, they go through things. Sometimes they're not even on it amongst their own people. Man, at one time, I was the devil in the projects. Now I'm the ghetto voodoo lady. They love me now. But before, shit, people would take their kids and wouldn't have their kids next to mine. And I was going to put roots on people. Man, when I tell you, they'd be like, oh, I don't fuck with her. Nope, she in that voodoo shit. Nah, for real. And I was the PTA president. And do you know, like, women would be like, you know, we don't have spirituality in school. What are you talking about? What that got to do? What my life got to do with making sure these kids get a good education? Bitch, I'm saving you. I'm making sure your, all your kids can be in one picture. What are you doing? So, you know, I always spoke up for myself if you came for me. But it was just aggravating because somebody can paint a false narrative about you and Instead of people either questioning or saying, yo, I ain't got nothing to do with that. Instead, they'd jump on the bandwagon. But it, I still showed up. I still did what I had to do. That was it. And then when Seal preached about my book, now you got people, hey, Sister Donna, hey, you know, we praying for you, girl. Yeah, don't. <laughs> don't. Please. <laughs> I love you, but don't. Oh, yeah. I, then I became, I'm going to answer back. I don't give a fuck who you are. And as I went on, I never forget, I was on, it used to be this show where they would take dates, their first date on, um, it was on TV. It would come on late at night. And I was working candlesticks in Atlanta. And they came through and I was, you know, helping them make candles. And when I tell you, my phone was ringing off the hook from people in New York. Oh my girl, girl, you on TV. Girl, I saw you on TV. Okay, they just came in my job. Like, okay. And then I would come to New York every so often, right? Me and Craig, we'd come up every summer. And then one day we just finally said, yeah, we ain't coming to New York. Ain't nobody coming. They still doing the same shit. And ain't nobody coming down here. So we're going to find other places. That's when we started going all over the place. And um, we would come up. And I didn't put on airs when they used to be like, girl, we going here. Girl, I can't. You know, I'm on a budget. So I got to make sure these kids have a good time and they going to want things because uh, when I get home, I got to go back to work and pay my light bill. Like there was no, I'm better than you because I moved. Nah, you know, we love Atlanta, but I'm not um, doing that. And then when my husband left, right? Oh, uh, Lisa, my sister-in-law, she told everybody in New York, I didn't care. Like, okay, Craig going. So everybody just knew I was coming back. I ain't come back. My kids was living their best life. She it. Mm-mm. At one time, I had all my kids down there. Daquan came to visit. Isha was down there with her baby, my grandson, and Didi and Shaba. So everybody was down there. And we was taking pictures. We was having fun. And people were, like, eating that up. Oh, my God. My brother called me. He was like, I thought you was coming up here. We was trying to prepare, see what we was going to do with the kids. For what? I ain't got y'all. And not one time did. The only one that came down there to visit me was my brother, man. Not one time did my brother and sister ever come to me. 
at all. But they was believing the rumors of, oh, she's suffering down there, she's that. And my brother man was like, shit, down there living her best life. He was like, shit. He said, they love her down there. He was like, I'm moving down there. And he showed did. He brought his girl and his kids. And he moved his ass down there. Man was down there for a good little while. And then he went back. And then Lisa followed him. But when he came up there to New York, he was like, Donna, living good. He was like, she don't want for nothing. Did she call you off anything? No. He was like, he's like, because we heard she was suffering down there. He was like, Donna, living good. I was like, you know, so then I also learned people, people would rather believe the bad about you before they believe good. And that's okay. All of it is okay. So what I'm saying is you're going to have experiences. You're going to have dark days. Every day is not going to be sunny. You're going to have days where you're going to want to say, I'm not reading a card. I'm not doing shit. Then you're going to have those days like, damn, how, how this ends is going to meet because I got to pay this light bill or I got to pay rent or, you know, and you, well, damn, what can I do? I, I, the fuck? I need to get some readings or I need to, you know, do this and damn, because you get scared. And sometimes, guess what? Your lights do get cut off. Sometimes your money get funny. Sometimes your cell phone get cut off. And you might have to, if you got an iPhone, you might have to go over to wherever there's Wi-Fi and live all like that. Sometimes your shit doesn't add up. Sometimes shit get messed up. And it's okay. It is a part of being alive. You are not always going to have it with butterflies and rainbows and continuous money. It doesn't work like that. But what I do know is those days where it is fucked up and slow, start investing in yourself. Start reading. Start elevating yourself. That is the time to stop and say, wait a minute. Let me go back and revamp. Let me see what else I can do. Start using the internet as resource and start making sure you understand. Build some different commercials. Start putting in posters go around and take pictures if you only got wi-fi wherever you are to have wi-fi ask people hey can you stand here can i act like we're doing the reading or whatever start making your brand and start reinventing yourself when it's slow you don't have to tell people all the time oh i'm a reader i'm a reader no what do you do well i help people i help people find themselves it's all about the language let me help you help you Start talking to people in the beauty parlors. Man, I would hit beauty parlors, churches, everything. And would talk and listen to people. When they talk about their kids and stuff, I would go to the PTA meetings and shit. And people would be in there. I would go to the fucking uh, AA meetings. No, and I don't drink. Start talking to people there and see, who want to, see who's into the spiritual part. Hell yeah, and start holding up conversations. Be in the bookstores over there where the tarot cards and stuff were. I would make myself available. So you can too. And know that it's all love. I love y'all. Stay focused.